From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 194 of the Anxiety Project podcast. All right, I'm so excited to share my conversation with Faust Ruggiero. Now, why Faust, his voice matters? Well, he is a published research author, clinical trainer, and a therapist who has worked in settings that have included clinics for deaf children, prisons, nursing homes, substance abuse centers, inpatient facilities, major corporations, both national and international. He is the president of the Community, Community Psychological Center in Bangor, Pennsylvania. He continues to provide counseling services for individuals, couples, families, veterans, first responders, law enforcement, and other emergency personnel. He has taught at the college level and is published in several research journals. Mr. Ruggiero is the author of the Fix Yourself Handbook, which was released in 2019, and this has received literary awards from Literary Titan, the Nonfiction Writers Association, and Indie Reader. He has appeared on television, radio shows, and podcasts nationally and internationally to discuss the process way of life presented in the Fix Yourself Handbook. Now, yes, there's a lot there, and I'm so excited to talk. Well, I was excited to talk with him because we did talk before I recorded this part, and I got to tell you, we go over the whole process from start to finish, anxiety, recovery, somebody coming in to see him who is completely overwhelmed, bewildered, confused with anxiety, what's going on internally, and the process out of this hole. Now, this is a podcast episode you will want to re-listen to, and I recommend you share it with somebody because you could change their life. Now, Without further ado, here is my conversation with Faust. Faust, welcome to the Anxiety Project podcast. I'm so grateful. I'm excited that you're here today. I'm excited to talk about your new book, The Fix Your Anxiety Handbook, bringing you out of the darkness and into a brilliant new world. I read this book and I found it to be highly practical action steps to get someone out of the hole that they're in with anxiety. But before we dive into the book, can you just briefly mention and talk about your background and tell people who you are and what it is that you do? Absolutely. Uh, first, Bradley, thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. I know this is a topic you and I share and we're very passionate about. So, you know, uh, I really appreciate the time to talk about that. As far as I'm concerned, I'm a counselor. I've been in uh, private practice for 33 years and been doing this in a variety of locations for over 40. Um, uh, everything from uh, individual family uh, uh, addiction. I've been. I worked in prisons. I've worked in uh, uh, clinics and with deaf kids and uh, corporate settings. So I've been around a little bit. Um, uh, as far as where we are now, I've been counseling long enough. The kids grew up. It was time for me to do a few different things that I, you know, I thought I'd like to do before we, uh, before, before the kids uh, took off. And uh, when we, about four years ago, five years ago, I started writing the Fix Yourself Handbook, which was the first book in the series, and that took off well. We're using the same design now in the Fix Your Anxiety Handbook, uh, and that's just what you alluded to before, which is present the information, give people good, concise information that, so they can understand the various components, various dynamics of uh, problems like anxiety, and then give that blueprint. Get, then give those actionable steps that mm -hmm. say, okay, given this, let's do this. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, for example, I talk about anxiety being such a, the most important part being a physical condition. I want people to understand that. But then I want them to learn how to take care of their body. So in three or four of the chapters, I'll, I'll stress that and say, okay, to do that, do these things. 
because mm -hmm. you know what we find what i find is that people are without knowing it or self-sabotaging they're they're doing things that actually as i call feed the anxiety demon mm -hmm. and, and we like to get to the point where people are going to be masters of their own body and their own minds and their own emotions so those actionable steps are very important so someone comes in to see you faust and they're completely overwhelmed they come in their life has gotten so beyond them. They can't seem to grapple with all of their problems. They don't even know what their problems are. It's just like their mind is in autopilot and they're in a traumatized state sometimes. And so what are the beginning steps in that process? So when someone comes to see you and everything is just too much, where do you go from there? Well, you said the magic word and I've used this. Uh, throughout my counseling years, and it was one of the first chapters in the first book, Taking Life Off Autopilot. Mm -hmm. When anxiety gets to gets a person to the point that they can't think anymore because a million things are coming in their into their mind at once, their mind's racing. Now the emotions are 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 on hyperdrive. You know what do we need to do? Well, we need to take the mind off autopilot. And I go back and say, okay. Let's take some of these things one step at a time. Let's slow down. The first thing we always, I always want people to do is learn how to slow their bodies down. But, you know, they're not going to do that in the first session. So what am I going to do in the first session to answer your question? I'm going to establish the rapport. I'm going to have them leaving my office knowing that there is a way out of this. I have. I always say that. I got you now. Don't worry about it. We're going to move through this. Anxiety puts people in a position to feel alone. They, no one understands me. When I, uh, I try to talk to someone about it, they think I'm overreacting. Oh, that come on, get over it. All those kinds of things. They feel alone. When you all of a sudden have someone who's going to be your confidant and says, I understand it. What you have is real. I know the way out of it. That's the first thing people need to know that there is help. The person understands and the person knows the blueprint out of the darkness. I love that. When you said alone, that actually gives me chills because you actually talked about this in your book. You said here, let me find it. Um, you said something about the shackles, the invisible chains that you can't you can't see it and that makes you feel alone yeah tooth it makes you feel alone and since you can't see it you don't know there, there's yeah. no mental geography if you will there's no place where you can say where do i start because i can't even see where this is coming from so you know part of that's giving the person the vision to say okay it's coming from here and it's coming from here but the key is to understand that it's physical anxiety is a physical condition we we by the time it hits us and, and it takes over our emotions and our thought process. We think we're mentally crazy. We, we've lost it. But it's the body misfiring. When we learn how to get the body in order, then the emotions calm down and the brain starts seeing things because there's a real reciprocal nature. My body, my brain, you know, and, and they either help each other or they hurt each other. You know, it depends on what type of relationship you have. So, you know, we want to really get that part of it in order. And most of anxiety is is invisible you you can't you don't know where it's coming from you, there are triggers you know um uh you know i know when, when that person does that that triggers me and then what we do is we think with our brain well it's that person that causes the anxiety that's not what happens the person is merely a trigger then it goes to the body and the body says okay thanks and takes over and you're in full-blown anxiety but you think it came from out there mm -hmm. you know and what i've always said to people is if that were the case why are other people getting it from out there and it comes to them and it doesn't seem to explode? It doesn't seem to be a firework that went off inside you because they don't have the physical component. That's all it is. So we want to be able to, to get those reaction times down. I always tell people in the first three seconds, what you do there says what you're going to do next a couple hours. So I don't want them to react. It comes in and say, okay, I heard that. He said that or she said that again. Let me just take a break. Let me just walk away from this. And I teach them how to think their way back into a point where their body is back in control. Right. And so the physical symptoms of anxiety for people with health anxiety, that's just a day 
and day after thing, checking in on their symptoms, checking in. They wake up in the morning like, oh, is that pain still there? Am I still feeling dizzy, nauseous, whatever it is? So what are those physical symptoms caused by anxiety? What do you typically see? The first thing I see uh, is a is a, an accelerated life pace. It, it doesn't calm down. Anxiety does not calm, doesn't down you out, so to speak. It revs you up. And and uh, so here's the way it starts in the beginning of the day. I think this will, will really answer your question. You get up in the morning and you've decided that long ago that you are a person who has anxiety. You ha- you are anxiety. You get up in the morning and now you take your day and you live the whole day as a person with anxiety. You know it when you step out of bed. In fact, before you get out of bed, you're saying, how do I feel? What's going to happen today? Oh, my God, I've got that thing to do. And you're already in negative mode, tearing yourself apart. That's the first thing that, that I see with people all the time. First symptom is the accelerated body pace. The next thing I see is a fear mechanism that comes in. And now the mind starts searching for things because it doesn't want to be blindsided so we start looking for things as we're trying to figure out how we're going to take care of them mm-hmm. so what we you put those two things together body's already up revved up and ready to go the mind is saying we got to find out what all these things are because if not you know i don't know what's going to happen i'll go into a full-blown panic attack i could be at the hospital i could you know uh, the police could be at my front i have no idea what's going to go on so i have to go searching for things well we all know if you go in the backyard and say, I'm going to go search for uh, a red stick, somewhere along the line, you might just find one. Because I if we that. search for something long enough, it's there. Mm-hmm. If you have anxiety and you're, you're saying, okay, I know that that person I work with, I know they're going to come and start doing their poking. Not only are you uh, ready, you're, you're nervous, you're looking for it, and then it kicks, it kicks in one of the most important components when you talk about symptoms, it's victim mode. I don't have the power to deal with my world. I will be a victim. No matter what happens, I'm victimized. Murphy's Law was written specifically for me. You know, all that kind of thing. You know, they did experiments with cats, and they had a a more dominant cat and a cat that was was victimized by the cat. The the victimized cat always came in cowering. When the the aggressive cat saw the cat cowering, it attacked. Wow. What I try to get people to understand is if you keep going into your world as a victim, you will will reap what that brings into your world, which is victimization. You're Mm -hmm. thinking that way. You're almost saying, okay, this is who I am. I know it's going to happen. I can't get rid of this anxiety no matter what happens. I'm going to be bombarded. My body is going to feel like I want to jump out of my skin. My thoughts are going to race. My emotions will be all over the place. I can't think of what to do. And and, and that's going to be how I live my life. It's no longer a condition. It's me. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to get people to separate it. It's a condition, a physical condition you have. Let's start there. Right. And when we start there, we can separate it. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. And even the book, you, you, I know you saw that in the first chapter. You are not anxiety. It's a condition you have. It's physical. Let's work from there. You're not crazy. Anxiety comes. It revs you up. It, it gets your emotions horrified. Now your emotions and your body are teaming up and your mind now is victimized. And there you go. Those three components, which are essential for happy living, are gone. Mm-hmm. And, and now you think of yourself as worthless. Uh, weak and a victim. I love that. And that brings me into my next question. Uh, what are the signs of the victim? Because they, they become dependent on external resources and they stay there and they don't develop any bravery. They don't develop any independence and they stay dependent for a long time. They can't seem to break out of it. So I guess there's two questions there, the signs of the victim, but also the beginning steps to breaking outside of the dependencies. The first thing when it comes to victimization, if you're looking to say, am I a victim? The first thing is, you know, it's fear. Mm. That's, that's, a, that's the enemy that develops with anxiety. You know, if, mm-hmm. if, you know I, I, as I told people for years, moderate anxiety, just a little bit, is actually positive because it pushes you to do something. 
But when the anxiety gets overwhelming, now we're and that we're in the victim mode, we are fearful. Everything is one of those things we're going to take a step back on. Could it? And then we start, another symptom is, now we start thinking about it. What could this do to me? Not what can I do to deal with it? What could it possibly do to me? And that brings on a huge third component, which is kind of internal visualization of mm. the damage that's going to be done with me. We now plot that in our brain. We can see it. It becomes like, like, a, a, like a video in front of us and it unfolds mm. and we see it. It's not unlike a, if a, you know, a family member was due home at eight o'clock and now it's nine and it's 10 and it's 11 and you've called them and there's no answer. And you start thinking about the crash on the highway and the ambulance and are they in the hospital? Are they dead? Now the whole thing unfolds. Well, that's what people do with their lives all the time. They, once they get into the victim mode, they start to think about because they're actually preparing themselves for the what they believe is the inevitable. Something is going to go wrong. Let me be prepared. I'd rather be prepared than have it come and and, and I don't know what to do with it. So now we're into, and when you get into a visual the visual visualization part of it, now you really are unfolding the picture for yourself. And the last thing, of course, as you know, is exhaustion. Uh, you know. I've seen people just pacing, and, uh, uh, and you know, and, uh, an hour worth of pacing is like a day worth of manual work. By the time you're done with that hour, your body hurts, you are exhausted, you just want to sit down and close your eyes, but of course you can't do that because the anxiety won't allow it, so you keep on going, and then the body just learns how to deal with that horrible, accelerated pace. Yeah, I love that, and everyone who's listening right now, you have to share this episode with somebody you know who to be in that victim mentality, stuck in anxiety. You have to share this. This will change someone's life, if not your own. I mean, this is just brilliant. Um, so someone with that set mindset who's like, it's not possible to change. They try meditation and they have the their perfectionistic mindset where they say, I tried meditation it didn't work because I'm still anxious afterwards. It's probably not going to work out. So what happens in that point where you, you're you with somebody who's like, I, I just, it's not possible. What's going on there? Well, they've learned not to trust anyone's advice because the people, and I, and I even do a chapter in there, even as people are getting better now, they'll say, you should do this. Well, you should do that. Well, why don't you stop doing this? And, and in the, in the, initial going people try all those things of course they fail so now we get into another part of anxiety which is a trust factor i can't trust that any advice is going to come my way is going to work because every time they've i've tried it hasn't plus anxiety has you not able uh, at least your ability to focus and concentrate concentrate is reduced so being able to commit yourself to something long term is very difficult because you can't sit long enough to focus on it now we're back to the same thing. What do we do? I'm teaching them. It's it, it's a stage kind of approach. Let's get your body calm down. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it's uh, you know some people will get into uh, things like CBD oils and and hemp and things. Some people will go to the doctor and get on something like an Advan or a Xanax for a short period of time. We're we're, we're gonna. Do some things to get the body down. Meditation, prayer, things like that could be all part of that. Let's get the body down just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach them how to respond, not to react. I will say tomorrow or even when you leave my office, you got there, something is going to trigger you. Your inter- This is the, one of the key components, internal language. I, you, you don't go and, and bring them from point A to point Z. It's A to B. You're not going to talk them right out of it. All I'm going to ask them to do is say, okay, I'm, I'm going to try not to do that. I want to introduce some different thought patterns. I know that guy at work is going to start poking, and I know what I do, but you know what? I'm going to go in there, and I'm not going to play the victim today. I'm just not going to do that. Uh, if I see him coming, maybe I'm going to move into a different area, or I'm just going to say, hey, how you doing? I'm going to rise to the occasion a little bit, and I'm going to start dealing with it a little bit differently in steps i'm going to tell them it won't work like you want it to right away because you're looking to for something to say 
no more anxiety. That's not going to happen. We're going to change your thought processes and and how you and how you think the, the language you use to think. Because that you know, you and I are talking. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll do this for a better part of an hour. Then we'll go about our day, and I'll be doing some things. You'll be doing some things. The, the, the language is now internal. So probably 75% of the in, of the language we, we use every day is in our own brain. If we want the world to treat us a little differently, we got to start there, positive thinking. And I don't tell them the world's positive. I'm not going to sell them anything. I'm just going to say, let's just start with, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to do that instead of doing that. No, I'm not going to let that get to me. I'm going to fight that. I'm, I'm going to give them some empowering language to use that doesn't go from A to Z because they'll never get it. They don't have the steps yet. Just A to B. Just, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to try these things. And it works for people. They Okay, I can do that. I went home. I was still anxious, but I saw that I didn't think about it the same way. Now, well, that looks like it's that big. That is huge mm -hmm. in, the, in their program. They're not going to see it that way. I know it is. So I just want everybody to re-listen to that last part again. Rewind that because that was absolutely brilliant. I got chills listening to that because I remember, and my audience knows, when I started my recovery four years ago, I, I suffered from an anxiety disorder for, for a bit of time of my life. You know, Ever since I was a child, my anxiety was on and off, and then the anxiety just went to the extreme in my mid-20s like full-blown health anxiety, agoraphobia. And so I remember going through my recovery, Faust, and I remember slowing down so much of my life. Like I would see negative friends. I would run around all day. I would wake up at 11 and just eat anything in the fridge and just like nothing was structured. Everything was just a mess, okay? And I remember... As soon as I started to slow everything down, I remember the, the my body starting to feel different. Like I was more present, like I was able to look around more. I was able to, I remember at one point I got into a minor car accident and I was meditating at the time, like just a minor fender bender. And I would have reacted with an explosive, angry, emotion before but since i was meditating since my life was slowing down i i handled it with such awareness and calmness that at the end of the day i sat with myself and i said oh my god brad who were you today i've i never saw that person before you handled that so coolly where did that come from and you just explained it so well right there yeah it's small steps that'll get you there you know, in my life, if something happens, uh, my brain is trained long enough now that when it happens, my, my brain says, okay, calm down. It just, calm down. Where anxiety goes, you know, the volcano hits. And yeah. you're, you're, first of all, you know, you know, on an anxious scale, one to ten, so to speak, you're already at a seven. So, you know, when something happens, it just shoots. But when you get to the point that you understand this, as soon as the trigger happens, your mind and your body just go down real quick. Mm -hmm. And then, then you're able to say, okay, what do I want to do with this? And you avoid all that other stuff. But the initial part right now is simply learning how to train your body. And I keep telling people, learning, which is what you need to do to do this, is a matter of repetition over time. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens that quickly. You're not going to go into And I get this a lot of times. You think we can get through this, uh, you know, in, in three or four months when it comes to counseling? I, say, I don't know. Uh, how quick do you think you're going to learn and be able to apply it? It's usually, you know, anxiety, it's probably six months. And then people, you know, and what will happen then, it's the interesting thing. It's almost like when you start working out and you do those initial exercises and you get tired and you get sore and say, I don't want to do that anymore. And then you start doing it. Now you're challenging yourself. Now the, the, the elliptical trainers tightened up and you know you, you now you want to see how far so now they say do you mind if i keep coming because i want to i want to get powerful now and we all have all the things we need are already inside us we just have to learn how to go and get them 
and and I would say anxiety is like you know like a you you, you, need, you all, all your good stuff's in the garage, but you've been piling crap in that garage forever, and now you say I want to get to that good stuff. Well, let's start at the beginning and take one thing out at a time. And when you take all the negatives out, there's the good tools you're going to use. <laughs> and what you said before hit it right on the mark. All those things you were doing that were feeding demon, as I say. You, you, you've you seen a, a quote, a, a little term in there I call it demon's comfort prison. Ever, when you have anxiety, you're just looking for any way you can get 20 minutes, 10 minutes worth of relief. So what do you do? You do sit in front of the TV with all those comfort foods. You, yes. you go with friends who are, are also experiencing problems because God forbid you don't fit in with the other people. And, and, yeah. and you, you keep on doing all those things that are designed to give you some quick fixes for a little while but those comfort zones then lock you in mm -hmm. and those begin to contribute to the anxiety and to the depression that comes with it and the horrible feelings about yourself and what used to be you thought was wonderful has now contributed and made it that much worse so i'm going to move those comfort zones i'm mean, going to redefine what a comfort zone is and <laughs> the mind will adjust you know We've been on this earth for a long time. The mind has the capacity to adjust, and it will. I just got to teach him how to get there. That's all. Oh, my God. I love that. I remember when I started to slow everything down, a lot of spaces would open up through my throughout my day because I would sit with myself and I would say, what things am I doing every day that I know I should stop doing, but I just can't seem to stop doing? And I was like, okay, I'm hanging out with negative friends. I'm doing this. I'm staying up till two. Uh, and, and so I decided, okay, Brad, what's something you didn't do before that could benefit your higher self? Okay, maybe if I go to the library and read for an hour or two hours, that's different from what I used to do. And so I went to the library. I sat down with a book. And I remember I viewed myself as like this dog being trained. Like it's like, like, calm down. You know, this is all you're doing for the next hour, two hours. You know, like I, I felt restless. I wanted to get up and just, and so I, I just, so I think like there's a lot of open gaps being made now that you're switching your lifestyle choices, right? So you're sacrificing so many things that, fuel the demon and now you're like okay where how do i fill those gaps so what are the big habits that are are so unbelievably useful for someone who's just revved to the max yeah, you know when you when you are that rev first and that's the first thing we have to look at can you begin to stop on your own can we do some things and are you able to do it i get people come in and i say well, let's just start a meditation thing to, but they can't sit five minutes so when i they, they say no i started and i keep trying to start so we have to look at whether or not something to calm your body down is going to be in the picture some people just genetically are so predisposed to this and that's another thing as you know you go back in the family histories all the people with anxiety have people with anxiety in their family history, which tells you it's genetically involved. Doesn't mean we can't stop it. We certainly can. Okay, so we want to get that body calmed down. The first thing, the biggest thing is get you to understand how to calm your body down. That's all. And, and look at it this way. If I can get you to take 25, 30% of the anxiety away by doing the things, we're, that's a lot. That gives you, you know, it's, it goes from insanity to manageability to control. Mm. And, you know, and a lot of people would just be saying, if I could just manage this, I'd be okay. Manage is in the middle. It can tip either way. We want, we want to get you to learn how to manage it and then shift over to the, the calmer side. The first thing is, is the body. Let's get the body down. And I will tell you this. If uh, people can, if I get 10 people come in the uh, office with anxiety, all 10 will say, stop my thinking. Mm, right. They'll go because that's the highest. Look at the body as the primal part. Emotions come in. That's kind of the mediator between the body and the mind. And then you have the intellect. Well, the intellect decided that it should be strong enough to calm all this down, which is another reason victimization and horrible self-worth come in because now you're a failure. Now your brain is gone you can't even control your own mind your own body so they try to go there first 
body first. It's always body first. I've never seen one case of anxiety where it wasn't the body first. Even cases where, you know, there was some abuse and there was uh, a horrible work environment and, you know, economic problems, all those things were there. Once we got the person to calm down, their rational thought processes increased. And now they were able to do some of those things they want their brain to do. It's always body first. So, yes, I, I love that. Um, and then I think goals come into play shortly after, right? So uh, you talk a lot about goals in the book. Can you talk about that now? What are the importance of goals? How do you set goals? And, uh, and I guess before you answer, I love how you talked about the small incremental 1% steps rather than, hey, look at this guru. You should probably be like that. So one of the things, unfortunately, we do in our societies, we, we look at the person who has arrived, um, is the actor, or the sports star, the singer, or, or, or the person who's doing what you and I are doing this. I, I, I need to go there. No, that's them. That's their statement. You need to look at you and take you where you need to go. And it's not going to be some leap and bound. You know, um, someone said to me, well, I'd like to do what you're doing. And I have a second book. And I said, hold off. There's been a lot of years of putting this, this knowledge together. And even when I wrote the first book, and it, it, you know, for all of us who have written books, we know that you go into the first one and you have no idea what you're doing. So I spent a year before I even started writing to learn everything I could learn about the publishing industry and talk to anyone I could talk to, other authors, uh, publicists, uh, um, copy editors. I went online to see what the processes were so I knew before I got there. Then I went in and made the mistakes that were inevitable to make. And you know, then we learned how to clean those up. Now, that, it's funny because my copy editor said uh, to the first book, you know, she took a long time to help me do things. The second book, she says, my God, you got it. This was easy this time around. Yeah, but don't think I'm some brilliant guy who just stepped right into writing and no, you know, it took a long time to get there. Are you willing to make the commitment? Now we talk about those little steps. Mm. You know, and it's, it's just, let me set a small goal that I know I can attain, but challenges me a little bit. You know, um, I, I, I'm a, I have angoraphobia. I'm not leaving the house. Well, maybe I'll just sit on the porch and I'll go out and do that for a while. Maybe I'll go into the backyard or if I'm in an apartment building, I'm going to walk down the hall or some little thing that I can do. And I have an escape route. Uh, I had a, a woman who came in and, and um, her niece was getting married and she definitely were very close like sisters when they grew up and she moved away. Now the girl comes home to have the wedding and I have to go, but I'm going to have an anxiety attack. I said, well, let's let's work this out. So we did those little things, get her out of the house, little walks. Then I said, do you know the uh, priest or minister at church? Yeah. Ask them if they'll open the church. You can walk in there when no one's in there. Sit in the last pew. Pray if you want to do whatever. So we did that. Uh, then she went to a service, sat in the back, got it, started to get a little bit of an anxiety attack, but had to, she was right in the back pew, so all she did was get up and walk out. Well, that went on for two or three times, and she was able to sit through a service. Now came the wedding. She sat through about, she said a half of the wedding, started to feel it. She walked out the back, caught her breath, walked back in, saw her niece get married. So we didn't just wow. say, let's go to the wedding. All right, and maybe you can go, maybe you can't, or you can have your apology ready, send your gift. We said, let's build up to the point we got there. That's an example of one situation with anxiety. And there could be 20 of them, and we do 20 little things like that. It's about learning how to work with small steps. What's, what was the goal in that particular instance? To get to the wedding, to come out of my house. I don't go anywhere. I have my groceries delivered in. Very rarely do people come and see me. I'm home with my animals, whatever those might be, in my comfort zone. We kept stepping out, stepping out just a little bit training the mind as you train the mind you 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 feel empowerment on smaller steps as you feel that empowerment in smaller steps it reinforces gee i did that didn't think i could i don't think i can do that maybe i can well i'll try that now little steps and then you build up to getting to where you need to go and then 
And so that's kind of like a, a, a small example. Then, but if we keep doing that, then that big goal, I like to be a, you know, either anxiety free or to the point that if someone says, hey, you want to go out to them tonight? I say, sure, let's go. I want to get to that point. I'm not going to do that. And I can't keep beating myself up because every time they ask, I say, no, I'm going to build small increments in. And then, and then if possible, I'm going to include one or two people because they're going to be my little network. You know, and they're going to say, what are you doing? Let's go for a little walk. Oh, I don't really feel, ah, come on, let's go. And, you know, if, if you get a hundred steps and we have to turn back, that's good. I'm okay with that, but let's try. And those, those, those are those good people in your life, not the negatives. Those are the good people that say, I understand and whatever you can do, I'm okay with. And, and include some of them in the program. So we build a whole program around the person. God, that's good. Um, is it not true that when someone gets to that point where they conquer the wedding, that their bravery of that event bleeds out into all areas of their life? That's the key. See, and if you build it right, you start alleviating small failures. The small failures, because we tried to jump too far, convince us that we can't. And we don't understand, understand there was some middle ground in there. So what I always say is, you know, you, you have this little goal. Let's break it down into all the little components we could find. And let's conquer those one at a time. You know, it, it, going back to exercising, you don't go in and say, I, you know, I, I want to be pumped up in two months. It's, it's, it's impossible. It will never happen. You build on small increments. Maybe two years down the road, you say, yeah, I have that body I wanted. That's okay. The other key I teach them is to learn, is to enjoy the process. If you're going to take that step out of the house, don't build it in your mind like, you know, the, 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 there's a possible crucifixion at the end of it. Build it and say, I think I'm going to try to enjoy this. I'm going to smile. I'm going to think about some good things when I go out the door, which I don't know what to do. I'm going to say, oh, there's a look at that nice bird there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find some positive markers out there and enjoy that time. I'm not going to make this like they're, they're dragging me through the hot coals or, or, and broken glass. It, it, there's a lot of beautiful beauty and wonder out there. I'm going to go try to identify that when I go out. It may, I may only get out 30 seconds. That's fine. Maybe I'll get a minute tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But as I do, what I'm saying to myself is, see, you did that. It doesn't matter that you had to come in in 30 seconds. Yesterday, you didn't do 30 seconds. Tomorrow, yeah. you might double it. Tomorrow, you might not just see a bird. You might see a deer went past or, or a, a friend went by and waved. Wow, I just waved back. All these little things that we, you know, we take for granted every day if we don't have anxiety, we build in and we just say one little step at a time. Because what you're doing, because really what you're doing when, when you take the big thing and you try and you try to get it right away, you're punishing yourself. You already said to yourself, mm. you go build a failure into myself. I'll hate myself when it's done and tell myself, see, that's who you are. Yes. Versus being kind to yourself and saying, let me do this one little step at a time. Good. I was good today, tomorrow. But, but tomorrow I want to do something again. And the next day I want to try something again. And, uh, and if you get to day five and you couldn't do something new, but you went back and did days one through four, kind of in, in a few minutes, that's another victory. You didn't go back. Because none of we all have that, that comfort zone somewhere where we've evolved. Myself, I teach this, but I, have, I know how far I want to go. And maybe, you know, I, you know, I might go on the low part of the roof of my house, but maybe I don't think I want to walk on the peak. But I know I go on the roof. But the peak, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a roof guy. I think I'll just avoid that. Yes. And that's vanity. That's okay. You, yes. you don't have to do everything. You yes. don't have to do what someone else does. You have to set what you would like to accomplish and then go get that. Yes. And I wrote down a quote from your book that relates to exactly that. Your comfort nest is your safe place, but the demon is your nest mate. When you when you stay at home, what's your demon? Your demon is your brain that now is telling you how horrible you are. Your body, which is now getting fed whatever you're putting in it. The anxiety you continue to feel because if the possibility of extending a little bit comes into or someone pokes you, that's there. So you may not be going out. You may not be challenging yourself. But in the meantime, if you surrounded yourself with what you think is safe so you don't have to challenge yourself. But in the meantime, 
that demon's nibbling away at you every day. Yeah, and it grows in size because then you then then you step out of your house, and now you're at a point where you're like, uh oh, anxiety's t- at a level ten. And so I love that you said, sit on the porch. That's your goal. That's your one percent. Yeah. It's a big world when, when you when you try to step out of the comfort zone. The world looks immense. It's huge. And where do I go? And you've seen it. I, I call it setting up little rooms in the big in the big world room uh, concept. Just one little thing at a time. Then you expand, but you make a commitment to concept to continue to expand. That's the only key. I'm going to continue to grow slow at my pace. I wasn't doing that before. That that's a complete flip flop. That's huge. Mm. I made a decision to no longer stay in my comfort zone, even if I get out for a minute or two. Because yeah. you know, what, what am I going to try to do? I'm going to try to build it up to maybe, I don't know, going out to dinner, visiting a friend, walking to the park, going to a movie, whatever. I'm going to try to get to that point, but that's not even on the agenda. Yeah. That's not, I'm not even thinking about that because that will cause me to just lose it. Mm. I'm just, my only thing is what's in front of me. If I'm sitting on the porch, while I'm there, let me look around and say, wow, what's around here? Let me smell the breath, you know, the air from outside. Let me do all those things I don't normally do. And then let me tell me my internal language. Let me say good, positive things about it. So I like that experience when I was out there. Then I can go back inside and relax and say, look what I just did. Yep. I remember when I was suffering from agoraphobia, the first step I did was I was sitting in my garage. I was sat in my garage and after that, it got to the point where I went to a coffee shop three minutes down the road from my house. I just sat in there for an hour each day. I went there, I got a book, I sat there and I did that for so long. I got bored of it and then I moved on. That's exactly. That's the way life works. The mind likes to keep on developing things. And it's that old thing, you know, who are you going to feed? You're going to feed the demon or you're going to feed the angel. So if you if you feed your 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 mind with good, positive stuff, that's what it grows with. But if you keep going negative, that's what you lock yourself into. You you know, those chains get, get very heavy. That's brilliant. Yeah, I agree. Yes, I do want to touch on the power of surrender. You mentioned surrender. I thought this was so good because I remember when I couldn't sleep at night and I just, I thought to myself, you know what, Brad, if the anxiety kills me, let it kill me. And I sort of surrendered to it. And then I I fell asleep eventually. Like, Hey, like if it's, if it's destined to kill me right now, then take me right now. And it didn't. And I, I lost my grip. I, 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 I took my hands off the wheel. So can you just talk about surrender? Sure. Well, the way I talk about it, you know, and, and, and what you're saying is right on the mark. We're using so many, uh, so much of our resources, misguided resources to try to beat this, that what we tend to do is we're just, we're feeding it. And I just say, stop feeding the demon. You're going to surrender to uh, no longer giving in to all the negative things. And in the book, I have a list of 20 or so things that we do that the anxiety continues to, 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 uh, to, to put into our lives. And I just say, surrender, stop. Stop fighting. Stop trying. You're, you're not, you, you don't want to gear your mind to fight the demon. Then you're in battle every day in one you already said you can't win. <laughs> so stop fighting and just look forward to going out on the porch, to sitting in your garage. I'm not fighting any of this anymore, but I am going to put some things in my life that I can do. I'll go forward. Now I have all these resources available that weren't there because I've been using them to, in my mind, fight this thing off. Mm -hmm. But I've been doing it in such negative terms. I'm going to throw some positive steps into my life. Stop worrying about those. And just do one of those little steps. That's all. Mm-hmm. I do tell people, if you got anxiety, go to the doctor. Get a wellness visit. Get some blood work done. Make sure your thyroid is where it needs to be. If you have an overactive thyroid, that's going to produce anxiety, and that may be all it is. So go there. Get the, get the wellness visit. 
get your get your blood work done, see that everything's where it needs to be, uh, and then go from that point. And uh, you know, surrender for me is surrendering neg- negativity, surrendering the the demon uses to hold you. I'm no longer doing that anymore. If I'm your friend and I'm always got you out, and I got you drinking, and we're gonna smoke a little pot and go do our thing in the bars, and it's dragging you down. You want to surrender me out of your life? Yes. Uh, you know what? I yes. surrender. You win. I can't. I can't deal with you anymore. You're bringing me down, so I'm gonna surrender that out, mm-hmm. and and I'm gonna replace that with something that's good maybe another friend or an activity or whatever i want to do but i'm no longer going to do something that feeds my anxiety yes i love that filling the void right they uh, so many people feel like the reassurance that they're getting from their partner their loved ones is what's important to them because they're getting attention they're getting love and I can't be selfish and do all of these things outside of these dependencies because, well, I'm going to lose the attention. I'm going to lose the love. I'm going to lose this. And a lot of people are afraid of jumping off the boat because of the losses. So can you talk about that briefly, the, 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 the letting go of the attachments? Keep in mind that when you have anxiety and you're trying to find comfort you'll i do a chapter in the book on desperation you are desperate mm. to to rid this from your life you will hold on to anything you know if if you fall over a uh, fall off the boat and you're in the water it doesn't matter what comes by you're going to grab it and it's mm. something it could yes. be the lifesaver that they pull you with or it could be the the uh, soaked piece of wood that takes you down so you you're, 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 you know you, you want to be able to look at what is not working for you. That person who loves you may sit down and say, "Yeah, let's come on, we'll go out and we'll have a couple of drinks." So we're sitting yes. down and we're eating to the point that your body is pumped full of sugar and everything else. You've got to make some decisions about what is important to move forward, and that's what again what, why I write this kind of a book. So here, here are all the guidelines. If the people in your life meet what you're doing to move yourself forward, then great, stay with them. If they're not, then you're going to try to change those relationships. If you can't, maybe you need to not leave them, but at least not put them in a prominent place in your life. Yes. You, know, they, you may have a loving spouse who really loves you, but doesn't understand what's going on, and, and, and they can help you feed the demon. The other thing about those relationships is the good ones, they're going to hear you out. Educate them. You become educated about anxiety. Educate them about anxiety so they have a better idea of what they can do to help you through it. Most of the time, it's not about giving you advice. It's not that, come on, let's do this. It's just about being, you're not alone. I'm here. You want to go sit on the porch? I'll sit with you. You know, you want to take a little walk? I'll go with you. Mm-hmm. Get in the car with me. You don't have to drive. I'll drive us around a little bit and we'll come home. You know, put those people in a, into a position where, again, they're part of your network and they can help you through things. And, you know, we're pl- applying all this to anxiety. But if you think about it, this is just healthy living. I don't want the guy that wants to bring me to the bar. I'd rather have the guy that says, hey, you want to go and walk at the park or you mm-hmm. know, let's be some, uh, some good friends or discuss a book we read or whatever it may be that, that you feel is positive. This is just healthy living. That's all we're doing. We're, 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 this is not healthy living for anxiety people. It's healthy living. Yes. And we're getting helping people with anxiety to get to that point. That's all. And that's another key thing I think people need to know. You are normal. There's nothing wrong with the way you think or feel. You have anxiety. We want to get through the anxiety so you can see how normal you really are. Yes. Faust, I think that's a great place to stop. That's just... That was so amazing. I guess to conclude, what are some of the lifestyle choices you're making today, the rituals, routines that you find to be just so beneficial for you? For me, you know, I've always been uh, a person who wanted to take care of my body. So, uh, I, and I still do that. Uh, you know, I've been a vegan for 40 years. I, we have a little workout center in the basement. We, I, we go down every day to do that. Uh, so I take care of the body. 
Hmm. Emotions, I, I keep my, uh, my emotions in check, if you will. Uh, if something happens, I want to use my brain. So it's always intellect over emotion. Not that I can't emote. I want to emote later hmm. when I've got uh, the right information in my mind. I surround myself with good people. I've, I've done that weeding out process where, you know, the people who uh, weren't, just weren't going to support the, the, the way I needed to go. Uh, I, I don't have them in places they used to be in. I think that's very important. Um, you decide where your faith is. I think because for some people, faith can really move you in some great direction. So for me, that's that's another good thing. And as we were talking before we uh, started the, uh, the um, interview, it is just to continue to be a student of life, continue to want to learn. Even at this level where you say, gee, I got everything good. If I stagnate, I create that little prison kind of a thing where, and I'm not going past it. Eventually, that starts to turn on me just a little bit. So I keep on learning, and I don't learn from Facebook or from Shock Press. I learn from you know the right places. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I keep you know, and, and I and I don't make decisions before I get the information. So there's a lot of good things, and all that's in the book. I mean, it's just a lot of good things. Everything that I wrote in the book for people with anxiety are simply things I practice every day. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I think it's the best way. Make it actionable. But if I'm doing it, I'm, then I'm the best way, I'm the best person to say, here, do this because it works. I'm still doing it every yeah. day. You're the practitioner. Yeah. Everybody who's listening, I mean, share this podcast with someone you know. You could change their life, literally. This was so awesome. I am so grateful that you decided to come on. This has been so unbelievably informative and insightful and enlightening. I am so grateful. Can you please tell everybody when they can get the book and uh, where they can? Yeah, the book we're hoping to have in publication by the end of summer. Uh, Until that time, if you're interested in some of the things that that I'm doing, you can find me on my website at fosterrogero.com. And it has everything about both books and everything that I'm doing there. you, you can say you can, there's excerpts from the book uh, so they can at least kind of see how it's written and say, gee, is this the kind of thing that I, uh, I think is going to apply to me? Excellent. Thank you so much. Been my pleasure. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.